Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, hello to everyone from wherever you are. I'm delighted to have you with us, and we want to welcome you again. And uh, I just want to echo what Beth said earlier. If you're visiting us for the first time or you've been hanging around with us for a while and you want to get to know us a little bit better, text the word hello to the number on the screen, and that's a way that we can connect with you. Uh, You can connect with us, and we'll sometimes say, we'll say, you know what, we will not spam you. I want you to know we will not sneeze on you either. So we want to communicate that to you and we're just delighted to have you with us. And if you're willing, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to grab your uh, Bible, grab your smartphone, or grab the new Community of Hope app and follow along. We are in week three of our post-Easter series. We're calling the series Amaze. And here's what we're doing in this season. We are focusing down on the life of Jesus, which is a great thing for us to be doing uh, in this season. And uh, we're using the Gospel of Mark And uh, scholars tell us that the gospel of Mark, uh, that this is really Peter's understanding, Peter's stories that he communicated to his friend, John Mark. John uh, Mark wrote them down. We have this gospel. And uh, I've been saying now, every time I've been communicating with you that the gospels are really uh, four opportunities, each providing a unique perspective about the life of Jesus. Every now and again, people will ask me, they'll say, you know, how do I get to know Jesus better? I'm not yet a Christ follower, but I want to learn about his life. I'll tell people, read the gospels. Every now and again, people will ask me, some of you will ask me, well, I'm a new follower of Jesus. How do I get to know Jesus better? And I'll say the same thing. Here's what I think you ought to do. You ought to read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you get through with John, go back to Matthew and start uh, all over again. Each one of them gives us a unique window into the life of Jesus. And here's what we're doing in this series that I'm, I'm pretty pumped about. What we're doing is we're looking at some of the different examples in Mark's gospel where he observes where people were amazed at some aspect of Jesus' life, some aspect of his person, some aspect of his character, some aspect of his words. Over 21 times in Mark's gospel, Mark uses a phrase where he will share some aspect of Jesus' life represented in a story, and then he will say and follow up with that, and when people witnessed this, heard this, saw this, or whatever, they were amazed. And so what we're doing together is we're traveling through some of these uh, uh, opportunities, some of these examples, some of these stories, and we're simply learning from them. I think of it this way, we're picking the right fruit right off the tree. And if you were with us when we started the series, uh, we began the series, I gave a talk and I said, uh, we talked first of all about the people were amazed at Jesus' teaching. And when we think about that, it wasn't because necessarily he was a great public speaker, although I'm sure he was a great public speaker, but what they were noticing there is that there was a quality there, there, there was something there that they'd never experienced. And it says this, Jesus spoke with authority. He spoke with conviction and people were amazed by that. You know, I think about this like if if you and I were in a conversation, say, and we were having a conversation, say, about the national parks. Remember when you could go to a national park? 
I mean, remember like when you could drive there with other people, you could pull in, you could pay, you could get out, you could, you could visit that. Remember that when parks were open? Okay, I just felt like I needed to say that. But remember when you used to go to a national, let's say you were, we were having a conversation about national parks. And, and we were talking and, and somebody was providing all this information about, you know, the national parks. But as they talked, it sounded, say, educational. And, and, and then you began to notice uh, that, you know, it, it felt a little detached. And then you learned that they'd never been to a national park, but they had read a book about the national parks, or maybe they'd seen a movie about the national parks. And, and it just felt different. But I tell you what, if you talk to somebody who's gone to a national park, you talk to somebody who's gone to Yosemite, you talk to somebody who's, who's scaled or hiked up El Capitan. You talk to somebody who has smelt the sul- smelled the sulfur or had the mist of Old Faithful on their face, and I'm telling you, it's going to be different. It's going to feel different what they say. Now, think with me about this. Move this over into the spiritual life. Move this over into the spiritual component, into the, into the conversations about faith. And here's Jesus. Jesus comes along. He's, uh, he, he has something to say. He talks as though he's been there. He talks about God. And he talks about, a way, uh, about God in a way that feels different. And then we learn along the course of that conversation that not only does he talk about God, but in fact, what most Christians believe, right, that he is God. It's very different. And if you were with us last week, Pastor Trevor, I, I think, did a great job. He talked about how people were amazed at his forgiveness, and, what, and, and when he taught us, this is what he said. He said, the forgiveness is of, of Jesus uh, is amazing because it costs Jesus his life, it reveals his love, and it causes us to love him in return. But what I loved about what Trevor said last weekend is this. He said, and we also learned actually the most amazing thing about the forgiveness of Jesus is that it's a forgiveness not to be admired, but it's a forgiveness to be experienced. Let me just ask you. When was the first time you ever experienced the forgiveness of God? Or even this. I mean, have you ever experienced the forgiveness of God? I, I was thinking about this. Um, I, I'm, I've shared before, I'm the middle of four, uh, three sons. I've got a, a brother four years older than me. I've got a brother four years uh, older than me. And uh, I remember uh, an experience watching my older brother who uh, when he was growing up, I admired my older brother so great. I still admire him, but I, you know, when he, when I was younger, uh, he was so cool. He was way cooler than me, and I know that's hard to imagine. But he was way cooler than me, and and but he ran with a group of guys, and he was going down a particular path. And somebody invited him one time to a ministry called Campus Crusade, and I watched my brother have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And with the forgiveness of Jesus Christ that transformed his life. And it impacted my whole family. And I'll never forget that after that, my my brother got connected to that ministry. And there was a time when when around Easter every year that the Campus Crusade for Christ would host this incredible event. I still remember this. And they hosted this event where they they, uh, did uh, 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 a, a play about the Last Supper. Uh, of Jesus. And, and it was this opportunity that there were no words in the play, but they would act out uh, the last supper of Christ. And then when Jesus was, uh, you know, uh, betrayed into the hands of 
sinful man and when he was crucified and then resurrected. And I can still remember as a young boy, I think I was 15 or 16, I can remember going to watch my brother in this play. And I can remember going and, and there were all these stadium seats that were, uh, that were placed out in front of this beautiful lagoon, this beautiful lake. And on the other side of the lake, there was this stage set and all these lights. And we were watching, you know, this, this wonderful play about, about the forgiveness of Christ. And then we, we see all this and we see the Passover and the Last Supper and then Jesus is crucified. And then it comes to the resurrection. And I'll never forget this. Uh, when the resurrection came, it was the only words in the play and Jesus sort of stepped out of character and he, and he talked about the forgiveness of Christ and he gave everybody an opportunity to experience the forgiveness of Christ. And I'll, I remember it to this day as a, as a 15, 16 year old uh, young man, when, when that was going on, I felt such a pull to invite Jesus into my life and to ask him to forgive my sins. And it was in that moment, it wasn't an admiration anymore. It was an experience. And you can do that right now. I mean, you can invite Jesus Christ into your heart right now and say, Lord, I want you to forgive my sins. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my Lord. And a lot of us right now in this season, I mean, we're turning to Jesus like never before. And, and so when we look at the forgiveness of Christ, it says he was a, people were amazed at the forgiveness of Christ. And, and what I want to talk about today for a few moments with you is I want to talk to you about his care. And I've just really sort of named this talk, named this message that they were amazed at his calm and they were amazed at his care. And I want to read a passage of scripture. And again, I like to read it. So I know you've already read it. We're going to read it again. Uh, it's Mark chapter four, and we're beginning at verse 35. And here's what uh, God's word says to us. Just one more time. It says this, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, the other side of the Sea of Galilee is where they were. And leaving the crowd behind, they took uh, him along just as he was in the boat. And there was also other boats with him and a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion and the disciples woke him and they said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And here's our word. They were terrified. They were in awe. They were amazed. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Let's pray together. Lord, would you use this moment and would you use this story to say something to us about how you care for us? And God, would you scrape off the residue of a remembered religion or inherited faith or anything, Lord, that stands in the way between you and us having a clear and compelling experience with who you are and with your spirit that meets us in this space and in this time together. For we pray together in the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. 
So here's what I would say. I would say in beginning that of all the stories and all the moments in the gospel of Mark where people were amazed at at some of the aspects of Jesus' life or his person and his ministry, here's what I would tell you. And all the ones we're going to look at, this is the most familiar one. But here's my challenge. I think it's the most misunderstood. And I think a lot of us, even we, if we've knocked around church for a long time and we've learned this story, it's a popular story. We've learned it maybe in vacation Bible school. We've learned it in Kids of Hope ministry, or we've learned it. We've been in a church somewhere, a pastor's preached it. But here's what I really think. I think oftentimes this is maybe one of the most misunderstood stories in the Bible. And so what I thought would be a good idea for us to do in this series would be take a moment in these moments together and to look at it and to talk about it together. You know, we are right now in a season where there is a lot of discussion about faith and fear. Uh, there's a lot of discussion about faith versus fear and, and, and you know, don't, don't lean into fear, lean into faith, put faith over fear. And, and, and sometimes when I listen to that, to be honest with you, I don't often understand what we're saying when we, when we communicate that kind of idea. And sometimes I wonder if we're talking about faith, are we, are we talking about, you know, wishful thinking? I mean, are we talking about, uh, you know, this idea of happy thoughts? You know, I said a few weeks ago, you know, it's popular in our culture to say, hey, I'm sending happy thoughts your way. What does that mean, actually? We're sending happy thoughts out. I, I don't understand that. Or maybe we're living by this idea that, you know, like um, it means that we think that all at the end of the day, everything is going to turn out and be okay. And here's what I want to say. I mean, I don't know about you, but my life's not been like that. Uh, every single thing for me has not turned out okay. Every story in my life has not necessarily ended good. And sometimes I think that this is kind of the conversation right now, and this is exactly the conversation I believe that God, by the power of his spirit, is inviting us into for us to be able to look at this story in a new way, in a different way. And I, I think sometimes we mischaracterize what uh, faith is, and I think sometimes we mischaracterize it to our own detriment, and it harms us and it harms other people. And so, uh, you know, I, I think about this when we talk about, when, whenever we get in a conversation that sounds kind of like there's a, a polarity between, for example, faith and fear. And I think that's true. In fact, I was reading the other day, John Ortberg says this about fear. He says, he says, at its simplest and most benign, fear is an internal warning cry that danger is nearby and we'd better do something about it. It is designed to be what researchers call a self-correcting mechanism to be unpleasant enough, fear is unpleasant enough to motivate us to take action and remove ourselves from whatever it is that threatens us. It readies our body to either flee, hide, or fight. Now, here's what I think and what I want you to maybe write down. Fear moves us toward action. And so sometimes when we talk about the polarity, whether we, that you and I are in a, a moment, in a season in our lives where we either have to choose faith or we have to choose fear, I don't really think that's the conversation. There's too much polarity there. Sometimes you've heard me talk about faith and doubt this way. Sometimes we say we, have to, we either have faith or we either have doubt. And here's what we've learned and here's what I've preached 
uh, here at Community of Hope that you know, doubt sometimes motivates us to dig deeper so that we can learn and we can move past our doubts and, and move into a space of greater faith or move into a space of greater certainty. And so when we talk about this conversation about fear, I really think this is an important conversation to have because too often we've mischaracterized it to our own detriment or to the detriment of somebody else. I, I know people who are around this very conversation have stepped back from faith because their life doesn't line up in that way. They do have fears, and so they think that maybe faith is something that they cannot also have. This past week, I had a privilege of uh, talking to a good friend of mine, Kenny Steckley. Shout out to the Steckley family. And uh, we were talking this week, and Kenny was talking to me about um, this past Sunday. And how many of y'all remember that last Sunday, there was quite a storm that happened last Sunday. Uh, some of you uh, were texting pictures to me uh, of, of hail that you picked up in your backyard that were the size of, of golf balls. And so Kenny and I were talking about this, this storm, and I told him, I said, well, we were down with our kids, Shelly and Eric. We had gone down to Delray, and we were going to have a socially distant lunch with them, and we were going to you know, eat in their home together. And, and, uh, and we were walking before that, and we walked around this corner, and Eric goes, look. And I look out there, and we looked up. We're in Delray. We look up toward, towards you know, uh, Palm Beach County. We looked up north you know, to the north part of the county, and it looked like the world was coming to an end. And man, I mean, it, it just looked really bad. And, 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 and so we got in the truck to drive home and about 10, 15 minutes into driving home, uh, our, our good friends and neighbors, uh, Rick and Michelle Miller, shout out to the Miller family. You know, Rick texts me and he goes, hey, everything good down on your end of the street? And I told Beth, I said, my gosh, I said, this, is, this is, could be bad. And we drove home and, you know, there were trees down and all this. So I was talking to Kenny and Kenny goes, yeah, he goes, I was, I was in that storm. He goes, um, I was fishing. And I said, you were fishing? He goes, yeah, I was nine miles off. I want to show a picture that he sent to me, and uh, we'll show that to you. Here's a picture. And I don't think really the picture does it justice, but he said, we were nine miles out uh, in the ocean, and he said it was completely calm. And all of a sudden, he said, this storm blew in. And when the storm blew in, he said, just immediately, we went from complete calm to like 10-foot seas. And he said, Justin, uh, his son, shout out to the other part of the Steckley family. And he said, Justin, my son with me, we're fishing. And he said, he goes, dad, we're not, we're not going to run home in that, right? And because Kenny's a good uh, captain and a good fisherman, he said, no, we're not, we're not going home. We're going out. And they went out 14 miles and found a place on the GPS where they were able to ride the storm out. He told me later, he said, somebody, you know, in the rush to go home, uh, that, were, that was out fishing near them, lost their boat, almost lost their family. And so this is the kind of idea, you know, that we're thinking about. This is the storm that's, uh, you know, going on. And so what I want to do for a moment, I want to push out deeper into the story and I want to connect it to us. And what I want to do is I want to take a moment and I want to use the rhythm that Peter offers to Mark to help us learn some important things in the story. Now, You've already read it. We've read it. You've read it once. I've read it once, so we know it. So Jesus is with the disciples. It's been a long season of ministry, and they want to get away from the crowds, and Jesus says he wants to go across the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So I think you know, Scripture has it. Story has it. They go out on the southern part of the Sea of Galilee. They're going to the other side. 
and, and, and on their way over, a squall comes up. This is what the word says. And I, I looked this up, and a squall uh, is a, it, this is what a squall is. It is a sudden, sharp increase in wind, a storm that lasts minutes, not seconds. The Weather Channel says it like this. It's a narrow band of intense thunderstorms that can be potentially very destructive. And so a fierce squall comes up, and, and Peter tells Mark, when re- reflecting on the story, that Jesus is asleep on a cushion. Now, I'm like kind of, I think Andy Stanley says this, I'm not sure that Jesus was asleep, but Peter thought he was asleep, because Jesus was going to teach a life lesson to the disciples, and, and I think a life lesson to us. And what happens next in the story, it's sort of interesting, and I think it's, it's compelling for us because there's a series of questions that I just want to point out to you in these moments together. And the first question comes from the disciples, and here's the question. They say to Jesus, don't you care? You ever said that to the Lord? You ever had a moment where there's something in your life that doesn't seem quite right? There's some circumstance that befalls you. There's some kind of thing going on, and and you, and, and you, like so many of us, have a tendency to say, Lord, don't you care? I mean, doesn't it matter at all? I mean, don't, don't, don't you care if I have a job? Don't you care in this season if I keep my business? Don't you care if I, may, if I pay my bills or feed my family? Don't you care if I graduate or go to the prom? Don't you care if I get married or retire or recover what I've lost? Lord, don't you care? You see, this is not just a story for antiquity. It's a story right now. And and, and Mark records, Peter tells Mark, Mark records, interestingly, that Jesus gets up in that moment, whether he's asleep or not, and he has a conversation with nature. And he looks at the wind, and he looks at the waves, and he says, quiet, be still. And just like that, it goes from 10-foot seas to complete calm. And that leads us to the next question, and this is a question that Jesus asks And Jesus, after he does that, he has the conversation with nature. He turns to the disciples, and this is what he says. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I mean, after all you've seen me do, I mean, after all we've experienced together, and in fact, when I think about it, he could have just as easily said it this way. And I think this is what he's getting at. He could have said, oh, I I see. You've placed your faith in the storm. You think the storm controls your future. Now, I want you to think with me about this, because when we say it that way, it sounds kind of bizarre. But I got to tell you with all my heart, I I really think this is what Jesus is getting at. I I think the, the issue wasn't 
faith or fear. I mean, to be honest, right? They had something to be afraid of. I, I asked Kenny, you're, you're, you're nine miles out. You see this storm coming. Were you concerned? Were you afraid? Well, of course, he said, because I had something to be fearful of. And so, but in that moment, we, there's a decision that is required. And this is what I think Jesus is really driving at. It's not really that they had fear. It's that they had misplaced it. Now, I want to tell you something. Think with me about this. Let's, let's just go ahead. In the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus, I think, comes out with a lot greater clarity and, 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 and defines for us exactly what's going on here. And, and there's a time, and I want to read this to you. First of all, in fact, I'll just read it this way. Luke chapter 12, I want to read verse 4. Here's what he says to the disciples. He says, I want to tell you, friends, he says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that, they can do no more. I mean, here's Jesus, and, and I, I, I really appreciate in this moment that he calls them friends because he really has quite a challenge coming their way, and I think quite a challenge coming our way through them. But he says this, he says, you know what? Don't, don't misplace your fear. Don't, don't, don't let your fear be manifested on something that at the end of the day doesn't have all the control that you really think it does. And so Jesus goes on and he says this in verse four, don't be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But he says this, I'll show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And so what Jesus is really saying, I think in this moment, is he's inviting us to a measure of understanding in greater ways his lordship, his power. I mean, isn't this actually what this conversation is, is all about? When, when there is a manifestation of fear in our lives, it, it, it's what force, what person am I, am I going to give the greater allegiance to? Am I going to be most fearful of the storm? Am I going to be most fearful of a pandemic? Or am I going to fear and respect the one who has power even over that? You know, it's sort of interesting to think about. It leads to the other question. It's the third question, and this time the disciples ask it. So they ask one, Jesus asks a few, and then the disciples ask the last one. And when he, when he calmed the, the waves and he calmed the storm, you see the third question there. And here it is. Who is this? I mean, who is this man? And here's what I want you to know. He is the man. He's the God man. He's the son of man. You know, it's sort of interesting. Eventually, Peter learned the lesson. And there's a great little story, great little anecdote that, that happens in the book of Acts. 
And in the book of Acts, a little bit later on, uh, Peter and John have just been arrested by the Sanhedrin. You might remember that name. The Sanhedrin were the very ones that crucified Jesus and carried him out. And the disciples knew that as well. Peter and John knew that as well. And in, in this moment, they had nothing other to believe but the fact that maybe they were going to be, now that they've been arrested by the Sanhedrin, they were going to be put to death just like Jesus. In fact, I think they probably thought, we're going to die this very day. But in that moment, because they had learned the lesson, they had learned the lesson about faith and fear, the lesson we're talking about right now. They manifest such courage, it turned the tide of what happened before the Sanhedrin. And, and, and Luke, when he records it in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says this, listen. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that these were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished. They were amazed And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now that's what was said about them. Kind of makes me wonder in a moment like this, what they would say about me and what they would say about you in this unique and anxious ridden time. Here's the question. What are you going to put your faith in? A pandemic? Is the pandemic controlling your destiny, your future? Or are you going to put your faith in a God who manifests such non-anxious presence in the face of storms? He could sleep on a cushion. Maybe Peter was right. You know, I was thinking about this um, years ago when I was in seminary, and I was taking my first theology class. We came into theology class one day, and Dr. Steve Siemens had uh, required that every one of us buy the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. And moms, I just want to shout out to you, if you're looking for something to do right now, get the Chronicles of Narnia and read that series of books. And the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, C.S. Lewis wrote, are really an allegorical tale about the life of Jesus. And in, in this story, and I won't, I won't be a, give all the spoiler alerts, but in the story, there's a lion. And the lion's name is Aslan, and he's a, he's a metaphorical figure that, that represents Christ. And one time uh, in, in the conversation, uh, Lucy's sister Susan is asking about Aslan. And and this is how the conversation goes down. She learns that Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. And Susan asks, oh, I thought he was a man. Is he safe? Because I shall feel rather nervous meeting him. Safe, Mrs. Beaver, Mr. Beaver asks. Who said anything about safe? And this is the classic line of this book. Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king. And it was just a a moment for C.S. Lewis to remind us of the power of God to speak into the storms of our lives. And here's what I believe with all my heart. Here's what I've experienced in my own heart. God wants to speak to your storm. 
He wants to look at the wind and the waves in your life. And he wants to say, quiet, peace be still. The question always becomes in a moment like this, will you let him do that? Will you let him manifest his presence in your circumstance? Well, in the coming weeks, we're going to have an opportunity to go further and to learn more about all the different experiences where people looked at an aspect of Jesus' character and his person and his words, and they were amazed. But my prayer for you today is that you will take this moment and that Jesus would become so real to you in this space that you would be numbered among the many others who just find themselves amazed at his power, at his presence, at his glory, at his love, and at his grace. Would you pray with me? Lord, I'm so thankful that you care for us. And I'm thankful that this is a story, Lord, that pits in perfect harmony the challenge for us to lower the tension and to lower the volume of the circumstances in our lives so that your word, so that your presence, so that your peace may become the more important, the more present reality for us. God, for all of my friends who are asking the question the disciples asked on that day, Lord, don't you care? God, would you show them how much you care? Would you show up where we are anxious, where we are facing our fears, where we are dealing with a loss of any kind? God, would you restore us in this season where we feel like we have lost so many things? God, make yourself real to us so that we may live in your peace, not just now, but now and forever. This we pray in the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, who is our Lord. Amen. Well, I want to remind you in closing to join with us uh, again next weekend. And I want to say to you, if you're wanting to learn more about Jesus, I hope that you'll text the word next to that number on the screen. And that's a way for us to connect with you, get some information uh, to you, help you grow in your faith. We'd love to partner with God in that wonderful privilege. It's a great privilege to get to share God's word with you. I pray grace and mercy and peace over you. We'll see you here next weekend. God bless.